Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. Once again, we're coming to you from my sumptuous studio on my Las Vegas balcony. So you may occasionally hear a bird chirp. You may occasionally hear a car drive by. You may occasionally hear a voice. We are not in a soundproof studio. We are in the place you would be if you were sitting in on a private mastermind conversation with your pad of paper out and two pens, capturing the aha moments as you listen in on the exchange of ideas and mutual inspirations, which is where some of the most profound learning takes place. We have a from the field aspect to our show. So imagine you're sitting out at a cafe. Imagine you're sitting at a balcony. Imagine you're sitting in your favorite lounge. Imagine taking a walk through your favorite park. And that's where we are. Today, we are going to discuss the current state and future of what's known as the creator economy, which we will define as we get into it. The simple one sentence definition of a creator is somebody who creates something online. And the creator economy is the idea of creating things online, whether it's launching your product line, scaling up your e-commerce, starting a brand. So we're going to have a lot of different questions. So I encourage you to just be ready for things to show up maybe at random that will give you that slight edge that moves your business forward and accelerates and accentuates your ability and your power to serve your community market and audience from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. To share with us today about the creator economy, we have Ronak Trevetti. He is the founder, CEO and founder of Pietra, which is a new platform that gives creators the tools to bring a product line to life from start to finish. He's also known as Ro, so just we'll call him Ro. He's formerly of Uber, and currently he aims to have his new company, Pietra, champion the creator economy by putting the power back in the hands of creators, lowering the barriers of accessibility toward launching businesses, and offering an end-to-end service that does all of the brand building and logistical heavy lifting. The One of the main reasons that I was so excited to have Ro on our show today, and we may touch upon this a little bit later, is at this point, I think a lot of content creators in particular are launched out. I know, I don't know if I have it within me to launch another course. And I just recently created the pod, I, I created the podcast reach system training videos. In fact, I did them while I'm sitting out here on my balcony here in Las Vegas. And we use those for our reachers. You can also purchase them separately. At any rate, Let's bring him in, Ronak Trebetti. Come on in. The weather's fine. Thank you for having me. 
You bet. So what we like to do here before we dive into the main topic of conversation is I read off your bio. I think it's very, I think it's very interesting. In fact, I'm not sure having checked out your website and seeing what you're up to these days, I'm worthy to be in your presence. And this is my show. So I, I like to say that all the time. And what we like to do here is give you the opportunity above and beyond the official bio. Tell us a bit about your journey and what's brought you to where you are today, serving from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion? Wow, that's a, that's a big question. Let me, let me kind of think about that for a little bit. I think, you know, as, as far as I can remember, I've always been excited about uh, enabling creative people. I think, right. I think maybe it comes from me knowing deep down that, you know, I wasn't the, the true creative, you know, I wasn't the painter, the designer, the musician. And so what I really found myself gravitating towards is, is helping people who I admired and I was inspired by and enabling them to do their best work. Uh, you know, that starts early on um, working with my friends who were super into music, but working on, you know, what are the coolest programs that they can use? How can we mix these together? Um, and then eventually getting into technology after uh, after studying in Europe for a little bit, and then and then eventually product management, which which then kickstarted my career. Oh, I see. And you mentioned in your bio at least that you formerly worked for Uber. So how do we get from Uber to Pietra? Yeah, great question. Um, maybe kind of one of the, the funnier pivots. I think, um, you know, I love my time working at Uber. Uh, me and the team there, uh, we had so much fun building Uber Pool for the company. So many great, inspiring, smart people that I worked with. Um, and, you know, when I was in the Bay Area, one of the things that I thought was the most interesting was I, I was born and raised in, in Toronto or a suburb of Toronto. Okay. And when I got to the Bay Area and I was, you know, squarely in tech in a fast growing startup that was super inspiring at the time, um, I realized that the Bay Area was a very interesting place. It was one where if you are an entrepreneur, you have an idea very, very quickly, maybe quicker than anywhere else in the world, you could start pursuing that dream. You could set up an office. Uh, with co-working. You can get investment capital from VCs down the road. You can hire temporary coders. You can set up a data center and all your internet infrastructure in a couple of clicks through Amazon or Google. And it was really fascinating to me because I'm working at Uber. I'm realizing that the entire community infrastructure city was built around helping people build awesome tech companies. And I would go home for Thanksgiving or I'd go home for Christmas. Um, I talked to friends who are in the creative field. You know, a lot of people in the creative field in New York and Toronto. And you, you talk to them. And when you're in a creative field, they would say stuff like, I've been start, trying to start this name, name a type of business, a watch company, a denim company, a fashion line. Um, and they've been trying to do it for a couple of years, you know, and they've spent tens of thousands of dollars trying to get it off the ground. And I would say, wow, this is like so fascinating to me that I come from a place where if you have an idea, everywhere around you is here to help to make that dream a reality. And as soon as you go outside of tech, that infrastructure just doesn't exist. And then, and then you know, that was the genesis of this idea of like, 
how do you take a massive industry like e-commerce or DTC um, and how do you digitize it? How do you make it so that it's easier, faster, cheaper than ever before to follow that idea and pursue that dream and eventually launch your you know, company or e-commerce business or brand? And that was how we got started with Pietra. Um, you know, it's, it's to bring that same level of infrastructure and sophistication uh, to people who have ideas and want to inherently be creative and, and enabling them to, to focus on what matters, uh, which is the creative and the growth part of, of running a business, not necessarily the, you know, the operational components of getting it off the ground. Okay. So I'm going to ask a very broad question here. And I love your story, by the way. And Thank you. what jumped out at me, my friend, is that you said it yourself. Whenever you get outside the actual digital tech world and you want to do certain things that require technology, you find that the infrastructure and the support just aren't quite there. This has been the story of my life and the story <laughs> of so many people I know for so long. My background is not so much e-commerce. It's actually more online marketing. And back when we used to do more of the marketing stuff per se, it was information products, coaching programs, masterminds, that sort of thing. And we still do a bit of that with our private clients through the Business Creators Institute. It's a very select group. In my primary work these days, I work with entrepreneurs to help them launch their podcast as their key networking, client attraction, and celebrity expert branding tool. What do these two different areas of work have in common? Tech stacking. What version is best? How do I know this is really going to work? How do I get technology A to play with technology C? I just decide, I just paid for this one platform, and now all of a sudden there's this other platform that I'm being told, well, if I don't switch to this one, I'm not really in business. And what the hell do I do? So the broad question I have for you, Ro, is how these are barriers of entry for entrepreneurs, if I ask, if you ask me. What are some of the other barriers you see? And what does Pietro do to sort of lower those barriers? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I think you nailed it, honestly, with the setup where if you go to an entrepreneur, an aspiring entrepreneur, and you ask them about an idea they have, and, and there's so many people with amazing ideas, right? I, I like to say that if they first think of the idea, let's take something somewhat simple. Let's say you want to start your own swimwear line, right? Uh, you probably visualize in your head the patterns, the silhouettes, the fabrics, uh, you know, brands that you look up to and, and admire, and then your, you know, your three or five pieces, let's just say, in your head floating around. Right. And, then you, and then you picture a website, a beautiful website where people can click on it and buy an item and get the package within a couple of days. And that's kind of the story that you have in your head when you think about starting a brand. And, you know, it's very easy to get excited. Um, and as you should. And then if you actually go and pursue that dream, right, you take those two steps and you realize there's actually 15 steps in the middle. <laughs> yeah. There's 15 or more steps in the middle that are less fun than the two steps that I just described. Yeah. And, and something that you don't really need to be an expert in. You just really want the thing that you're imagining to be on a beautiful website that gets shipped to customers. 
And instead, what you have is those steps are exactly as you described. Oh, there's 10 other companies that exist that do one step of the 15 steps. And now I got to figure out how it all connects together. And by the time you figure out those steps and those companies and you pay them, you're not only spending a lot of money, but you realize that eight months has passed because each weekend you have to learn one other company's tools. Uh-huh. And, and by the time you get to that beautiful website, it's a couple years later and tens of thousands of dollars, you know, sunk into various initiatives that you have. Um, and so we said that in itself is the problem, right? It not only robs people of their creativity, but it stops people from trying. So how do we make a system and build a product that feels as magical as that first thought, that first idea, that first, like, I just want to make three, you know, unique swimsuits and I want to sell it in a beautiful place online that people can purchase it. And that's what Pietra does, right? It takes all of these services and acknowledges that stitching the services together is kind of the place we're at right now. Right. And you think about like the beauty of the iPhone. One of the many beauties of the iPhone is like before the iPhone came out, everyone had an iPod touch. They had, you know, their phone as well. They had a wallet. They had, you know, all these gadgets that all did these one-off things and the beauty and these devices were proliferating. And then there was a point in technology where we're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Everyone can't worry about 10 different things every time they leave the house or they want to do something. Let's bring it all together into a nice package. And it might not do every single thing that you could possibly do, as you see by the iPhone, you know, first generation, but it does most of what you need it to do. And it does it faster and easier and in in a way that's more fun. And that's what Pietra is all about, right? It's, It's taking those two steps. I have an idea and I know where I need to go and saying, what's the least amount of steps, time, money that we can put in between those two magical moments. And that's why we have this platform that feels like we're helping with all the steps of the business creation process and the growth process. It's because we know that you don't want to figure out how to the optimal route to your USPS to ship boxes to your customers. We know you don't want to call a warehouse in the middle of the winter and travel and see if it's the right size for the stuff that you're purchasing. You know, you, we know you don't want to call customs and ask why your shipments are delayed, right? We know that you want to press a button and say, hey, by the way, I want all my sweaters to show up. I want you to put hang tags on them. I want you to make sure they get through customs. And how about you just give me a call in three weeks when it's all ready to go? And that's what Pietra is all about. That magic, right? It's, it's actually magic through removing the hard parts and, and letting you focus on the fun parts. You know, you reminded me of something just now when you mentioned the optimal route for USPS, very, very, very early on. And this is with one of my clients who's still with me to this day, actually. It was back when physical fulfillment of information products like CDs, DVDs, and such was still a really big thing. It's you know, way before the idea that the idea of a, of a DVD of your course was the option. And it's before we got to the point today where if there's anything physical at all, it's usually a thumb drive or something like that, at least in my experience. So he had a fulfillment house he was working with. And these are actually really good people. But I'm thinking of the hours and hours and hours that I lost. And not only with this client, but actually another client. Now that I think about it, oh, the nightmare multiplies of figuring out why the hell it would cost $87 to ship a $9.97 CD from <laughs> California to Arizona. 
because that's what their automated tables kept saying it was going to be. And I got and I got to tell you that what ultimately happened with both these cases and perhaps others I might have been involved with that I hope remain suppressed memories for a while at this point is we finally figured out, you know what we're going to do? We're going to charge 29.97 for this audio CD. Add a downloadable PDF workbook to the website, include an information sheet with the CD. It tells them where to download it and charge $29.97 all in. And that right there is how we pretty much solve that problem. And instead of even offering rush delivery or anything like that, it was just stand, it was just standard first class mail for something like a CD or something like that. Because that's mm-hmm. absolutely freaking ridiculous. $87 <laughs> to mail a $10 CD. But right. yeah, that's actually how it worked. And if and this is just a very minor thing that was easily solvable. So imagine trying to get your tech stack to play nicely with each other or realizing that when you do tech stacks and when you do integrated integrated process flows with different technologies that have different owners and different developers, there's going to be a lot of duct tape back there. It only has to look good for, it only has to look good and proceed smoothly for your purchaser and your customer. And on the back end, one way or the other, it needs to be easy to use. If you wrap that up in 25 rolls of duct tape, whatever. Mm-hmm. But totally. that's the nature of it. And that right there, going back to what you said, Ro, is that, you know, you mentioned there's the two steps that people enjoy when it comes to being creatives. And then there's that other 10 to 15 steps or whatever in the middle. Well, that's all the stuff you end up r- 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 running duct tape around ultimately. Yep. And I think, you know, to add to that, which is that those are also the steps in which the most motivated, most creative, most inspiring people might give up, right? Because you don't know what's, what's in front of you. You don't know how, like, you know how far you've come, but you don't know what's in front of you. And it's, it's annoying and it's not creative work. And, and I think a lot of great ideas die because the, the people with the ideas are forced to jump through all these hoops. Right. And, and I think with a platform like Pietra at its core, what it's going to allow is for finally for more creative people than ever to actually be able to pursue their passion, right. Pursue their dream of launching something. And if we didn't do this, you know, maybe, maybe it gets incrementally better over time, but, but from a macro perspective, there'd be far less creative people trying to do something great in society. And Look, I, I think a deep held belief that I have is that there's way more creative people uh, out there than we think or even, we even know about. And it's all just about giving them the tools to make them express that creativity um, and pursue that goal. I think, I mean, everyone knows when you, you know, everyone has business ideas. Everyone has uh, things that they think would be cool to exist in the world. Um, and so it's like, what's stopping them from, from doing it? Is it finances? Is it difficulty? Is it understanding of how to start at it, like where it ends? All those things I think we should be removing as a society so that these people can try. Um, and they'll feel more fulfilled and some of them will be really successful and some of them will get great experiences. But our job is to just allow them to try. I'm thinking about earlier in our conversation, perhaps in the introduction, I mentioned 
that I've created a video training system. It's called the Podcast Reach System. It's the videos that complement our work with our reachers, the people we work with to launch our podcasts. Those who have been following me for a good while know it took me over a year to get that freaking thing done. Here's where I lost it. Allowing myself to believe that I had to, because I was exemplifying podcasting, have high quality, a super high quality recording value and do all this theatrical stuff. Although the entire course itself was based on PowerPoints or is based on PowerPoints. And so I was suffering through this, unable to run the HVAC system because of the noise it made, holding my neck up to keep my mouth close to a microphone. And I sometimes had to do seven, eight, 10 takes because I couldn't get the popping noises to stop, even with one of those big round filters, oh, wow. which I'm highly misophonic myself. So I'm not going to subject somebody else to the same nightmare. I'm really <laughs> sensitive to that. So I recorded about 19 segments and then found out that the audio was screwed because the amplification was off. So I had to take a week's worth of work and just delete it. Then I recorded up to a certain point and got exhausted by the whole thing and ended up having to refund a couple people who had bought the course in advance because I just wasn't able to deliver it physically, mentally, emotionally. But I needed this course in place because I needed it to be the foundation of the homework that my reachers would be doing when we worked with them to launch your podcasts. So I decided last spring that, you know what, I can condense this course. I can turn it into 10 PowerPoint presentations altogether. It'll probably be about seven hours worth of content if I can stick to the point and keep a good flow going. And I'm not going to be in a studio with soundproofing. I'm not going to hold my neck up to a microphone. I'm not going to worry about mouth noises, which the actually the easiest cure for dealing with those popping sounds just to reduce the quality a little bit, you know, a little secret. And I filmed the whole thing in the exact place I am right now doing this interview with you on my laptop, out of my balcony here in sumptuous Las Vegas. In fact, in the introductory video to what became the final course, I even addressed the fact that I am just sitting on my balcony and I'm doing this in comfort. I'm delivering a product you'll be able to easily follow. My sound quality is good so you can hear me, but I'm leaving the Hollywood stuff out of it. Why? Because it's more important for me to exemplify massive action that you can replicate for yourself to start making a difference for your community, market, and audience faster, attracting more clients, closing more deals, while your competition is getting rounds of seed funding to pay for the installation for the addition they're having put on their house because they think that's the only way they can podcast. So I turned it, so I turned it into a selling point for the course. Now, the reason I bring that up is because that's my story of getting flustered by the many steps in between. Right. 
it's and and I think I I totally empathize with that. I think everyone everyone I think outside of the core tech centers um, will have some story that's it's very similar to that. And I think apologies if you can hear the alarms and. No, 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 no. I, I addressed at the beginning of this. This is this is from the field. If you and I were if you and I were sitting out on a cafe having this conversation and somebody's car alarm went off, we would hear it. You're right. You're yeah. right. So I'm I'm not going to apologize for for it. But um, I think I, again, I, I come back to something that I have always found to be true, which is especially working, you know, most of my professional life in in a tech center or a hub, is no matter how much you did, how much a product manager or someone designs a product to be intuitive or connected to another service, um, it always is significantly harder than you think. As soon as you go, you know, 45 minutes outside of a tech center, or you talk, you go outside of a, a, bu- a bubble of people that use all these services um, and know exactly how they connect because, you know, it's like your friends are designing the complimentary services. Um and again, it, it comes down to this should be a never-ending pursuit of improvement, um, and and rooted in the core idea that we can make things easier. We can we can make it, especially make it easier for creative people. Um, in your case, right, a radio show, a, a podcast, or someone who wants to create content. Um, I bet you there are people who are designing really really complicated software right now that are telling, screaming at their phones right now, saying it's super easy, you should use this software. And then if they put it in your hands, you'd say something like, this is very difficult. Um, And they'd be like, I don't get it. No, it's not like it's easy, blah, 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 blah. And that's not to say that people are bad at designing products or or anything like that. It's just to say that our job as, as people who design these products for creative people is to try and continue to make it easier and easier because at the end of the day, when you're pursuing a creative endeavor, you're in it for the creativity. You're not in it for figuring out the plumbing, right? right? That's like a nest. That's like an eat your vegetables type of uh, exercise. And even with Pietra, you know, we like to say it's not necessarily easy to start a business. I don't think anyone should ever say that it's easy to start a business, just like it's not easy to start a podcast or a good podcast. Well, it's not hard. Uh, it's, uh, I, I got to put in a slight plug for the podcast reach system. We disambiguate it, but to your point, there are a lot of moving parts and a lot of contradictory information out there. And part of what we say is, yeah, we understand that you could look at our literature, you could go to my blog, you could see some of my articles, and you could pull up something I said, and you could say, but so-and-so says that, uh, well, then that's what they're saying. You are here because you want the fastest path to this, and you don't want to worry about those 25 moving parts, and you want an option out of the 19 that you'll find if you go down to Google Rabbit Hole. Well, we found one that works, so right. we'll help you if you want us to. But we're not going to argue with you every time that you pull up some article written by one of our competitors and challenge us on it. Well, I mean, the whole point of this is you're motivated to not be stuck in the rabbit hole, to not be chasing all these little incongruencies and contradictions, and just to work with somebody who's demonstrated time and time again, they figured out a recipe that's delicious. Right. 
And to me, that's what it sounds like. Maybe you word it differently, but that's, I get that's just a part of the brilliance and passion behind what you do. Oh, totally. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. So in your work, and this is a little bit different from what we were originally going to discuss, but I think it's relevant right now is what do you do when you run into perfectionism? And what I mean by that are folks who will attempt to figure out steps two through 15 instead of focusing on step one and step 16 as the creative and will find imperfections or will have this exact vision of how every little piece of this is supposed to work, knowing as you and I do that that's actually the inhibitor to success, particularly when you've already figured it out. Yeah, such a such a great point. And I think I would be lying if I said something other than this isn't one of the biggest things that I learn when, when building a product for, for creators and creative people and entrepreneurs, which is the pursuit of perfection is a very long pursuit, maybe a lifetime pursuit in, in almost anything. And you know, one of, the mo- one of the most common things that people try to do when, especially when starting a business, is to try and in their head plan out the life cycle of a business and just and try and convince themselves that if I just sit down and plan out every single step, like nothing will go wrong. And one of the hardest things to do, I think, is to ever convince yourself that you're ready. And, and so because we know that it's very hard to convince yourself that you're ready and you'll always want to like tinker and get a little bit better. I think we've designed Pietra in a very interesting way where it is, it is designed in such a way where you can try and be comfortable with the ambiguity of entrepreneurship, right? There is, but, but give you a sense of calm and uh, give you a sense of, you know, what you're doing at each step of the way. So one thing we identified early on is if you try and over plan, um, you not only won't get it right because it's almost impossible to plan out, but more importantly, a lot of the things you thought were important to think through end up not being very important at all. Right? So if you're, and I'll give you a concrete example if you're a creator and maybe you're a content creator and you have a, um, you're a fashion influencer and you want to launch your own jewelry line, just as an example. Yeah. Um, this, this is a very common case, right? People say, you know what? I want to start a jewelry collection. I want to have an earring or a couple of earrings, some necklaces, a ring. I'm going to design all these different pieces. Um, what we, what we say is, okay, you could design a 25 piece collection. No, nothing wrong with that. It's going to take you a long time and you can hire a designer on the platform and it's really fun and you'll go through it. But you should be really asking yourself, um, how do you know which one's going to be the most popular or which one your audience is going to resonate with or which one is going to look the best, you know, um, in Instagram photos when people share it. And so what we try and promote is this idea of get started do something small, understand that if you're successful on a small scale, you can always scale up. And if you're, 
And if it's not so successful on a small scale, no harm, no foul, right? A, a lot of people who try and over plan something will find out very quickly that, oh, look, I did a jewelry line with 10 pieces. And it turns out that one of my pieces is actually the only one that drives revenue and people love. So maybe I should just figure out a way to make 10 times more of that, right? And, and, and frequently, if not always, the intuition you have as an entrepreneur around what your audience will like or respond to or purchase is, is very, very, very hard and most like very, very hard to guess and most likely will be wrong, right? Like your audience and your customers will always surprise you. Um, it's no matter no matter what you do with avatar exercises, you will continue exactly. to learn. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In our system, we have our clients do avatar exercises as a way of identifying the language for their brand and who they should interview on their podcast. Other than that, the rest of it remains to be determined, even after the, the show launches. Totally. So then, so then think about the design problem that we have here, right? The design problem being how do you make someone comfortable with taking the first step into entrepreneurship where we understand there's things that they don't know, but they're comfortable with taking those, those steps. And that's where it comes down to education. You know, um, we provide workshops, we, we provide you, you can create a business plan through the platform. And so you can, you can have like 10 weeks out, this is what you should be thinking about. Here are the 10 steps of something you should do to design your packaging. All these little things that we can do to make you feel better about it. And, and we built Pietra through that lens of you're never going to know everything. You have to experience it. But we totally understand that there's fear with starting something and going into the unknown. So how do we make it fun and engaging and inspiring to yourself and others around you and do it in a way where you're comfortable with success and you're comfortable with failure because the failure is not that bad and the success can be repeated over and over again to scale it up to the size that you want. Um, yeah. It's, I think very quickly people are also realizing that a lot of what we're sold on social media of like on day one, it was already a massive brand. Um, you know, all those things I find are not only being figured out by new entrepreneurs that are starting, but even when you work with like, Pietro has celebrity customers that are launching mega brands and you talk to their teams, they're still, they're still starting with the minimum quantity. No one really wants to take an unnecessary bet on inventory oh, no. products. Not in, not, right? in this so, day, so, not in this day and age and not when, exactly. uh, just, and not when just in time developments, even with our current supply chain issues is still a factor that can enable you to stay close to a JIT model. Totally. And so it's, it's funny when you kind of like look back at it and you say, look, it doesn't even matter how big you are, right? Like you're seeing these multi, multi-million dollar, maybe billion dollar brands, but you have to realize that even they started at a small scale. And I think this realization is actually empowering a lot of creators um, who are using Pietra and outside of Pietra in, in realizing that the thing that they see right? In ads, the thing that they see on social is a lot more attainable than you think. Just like in your case, like having your own radio show or podcast is, is a lot more attainable than, than people think. It's yeah. hard to have a great one, right? Um, that takes work. That takes, that takes practice. It's um, a, lot, a lot of practice and a lot of experience. I've been in this for almost 10 years. I get compliments. I mean, I'm, you know what? I am going to pat myself on the back. I am yeah, going to my own horn. Uh, <laughs> I'm a damn good interviewer. 
Oh, yeah. Do you know how I, I got to be so good? No, tell By me. By doing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. So when people ask, how can I teach people to be better interviewers? It's because I've done it so many times. And I've seen what works and what doesn't. And I've had those moments of, oh, my goodness, this technique works like gangbusters. And all these other things that I thought I was supposed to do, not so much. So we can just kind of shove them aside. Totally. And now imagine now imagine a world where um, before you started your podcast, you were like, you know what? I'm going to study every podcast and every interviewer out there. That would have been a waste of your time, right? Like- I didn't do that. I didn't. I'll tell you, I'll tell you the story very quickly. Uh, up until the end of 2012, I used to film weekly videos on Camtasia. They were called Monday Marketing Moments. I would put them on YouTube and then share them on my blog. Near the end of 2012, I had a couple public speaking engagements. And my offer from all three of those stages was for entrepreneurs to join me for a four-week course that taught them how to build a WordPress website. And the way I pitched this to entrepreneurs who were supposed to be taught leverage is, A, if you have this crazy idea at one o'clock in the morning and you want to launch it, you want to, and you want to have it up and ready to go for the public by the time, by the time it's time for breakfast, if you're feeling like an all-nighter, you don't have to annoy your web developer anymore, nor do you have to wait. I can give you what you need. You can have a functional website up. I said that now, keyword, functional website up by the time breakfast hits. And then point number two is I understand you're probably going to hire people to do a lot of this work. Would you, do you think you might make better hiring decisions if you've seen it hands-on one time and know what actually goes into it? You think you might understand pricing models better? You might recognize the value better and you know, when something is realistic versus when you're being taken for a ride by something that's either too expensive or too cheap. And that's also a way to get ripped off if something's too cheap. Yep. So that's how I pitched it. And I needed a model for a website to build. So I had the Business Creators Institute. So I thought, okay, we'll do a business creators radio show. And this will be a podcast. Built the site, let it sit there for nine months. And then nine months later, I thought, you know what? I did build this podcast website. I might as well do a podcast. Right. Now, back in 2013, September 2013, and this is because I wasn't all that educated about the process, I was under the impression that the defining feature of whether or not a podcast existed or not is whether it was, and I'm going to put this in quotes, on iTunes, which we now call Apple Podcasts. So I submitted my feed to my Apple account was told it would take 30 days to get it approved. It got approved in 12 hours. And all of a sudden, I have no episodes. So I'm, I'm in competition for new and noteworthy, and I have no episodes. <laughs> all right. And I also hadn't thought through, who am I going to interview on this? So here's how I solved it. I had this in, in my membership site for the BCI. I had this collection of teleseminars, <laughs> okay. teleseminar recordings. I picked three of my favorites put them up on my Amazon server and link them to my WordPress site using the Blueberry plugin. So now my podcast had three episodes and I made an announcement. The Business Creators Radio Show is launching on September 13th with our first live episode with, and I can't remember if it was Denise Griffiths or Jessica Rhodes. I can't remember which one is, was which that I actually did first. I'd have to go back and look. It was one of those two. 
And I, and I said, our first live episode is Tuesday, September, whatever, whatever the Tuesday was in 2013, like the 12th or 13th, whatever. So tune in for that. In the meantime, go to our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com right now and check out some of our greatest hits episodes. They were my teleseminar recordings. Wow. I put them up as episodes without any editing. I didn't even change the intros and outros. And I just called them my greatest hits. That's amazing. Now, now a podcast purist is going to hear everything I just said. And I can actually hear their voices out, out there audibly saying out loud, what the fuck? Well, that right there is what podcast reach solves. It takes away all that confusion, all that ambiguity, and gives you a stepwise process for holistically launching a podcast as your key networking client attraction and celebrity expert branding tool. That's the difference. Yep. I think you, I think you nailed it. I think, yeah. I think you're spot on. Uh-huh. So when I hear about these, even these major celebrity influencers who sell products and then they get overwhelmed by demand and shipments go out late and what have you. I think you filled in that nail on that head too. They were being smart and didn't overorder on their quantity because they wanted to see if it would actually sell first. They were willing to take the short-term hit of having to scramble to fill orders and have them go out a few days late, where they get stuck with a warehouse full of junk that nobody wanted. And in fact, they leveraged the fact that they sold out and had to scramble to get orders fulfilled as proof of concept that the product was popular. Exactly. And that's becoming, you know, it's interesting as you say that, like to see the, the times change, right? There, there used to be a time, and I remember this growing up, where something being sold out, let's say pre-social media, um, something being sold out was bad, right? It was like, oh, it's sold out. Now being sold out is a badge of honor that you can display proudly as something that someone wants. And by the way, it's the internet age. So just because something's sold out now doesn't mean you're, you're gonna have a chance to talk to them again. You're gonna restock, it's gonna be available. This isn't like a mall where, you know, back in the day, if you go to a mall and something sold out, like there's a chance that person might never come back into your mall. They could be transient in the city or just coming yep. away. Now it's, it's changed completely. This idea that you've sold out your first production run, for example, is quite literally something to celebrate. Um, celebrate on social, say we're going to restock at this time to the point where we now see people manufacturing sellouts. We see people under ordering their first so that they yeah. can sell out within an hour and just say, wow, I sold out in five minutes. It's like, well, we don't know how many units you ordered, um, but we see it as a, as a core marketing strategy now um, rather than something to be ashamed of. Um, and I think, again, the times are changing on the marketing front. And I think the creator economy is, is, is so fascinating on, on that side of the, of the equation, which is once you've taken care of how do you start a business and how do you sell something that you've designed and created and manufactured, um, it's kind of amazing to see all the different marketing and exposure techniques that 
that creators, broadly creators have. There are people that have huge audiences that blast out on their Instagram. And there's people that have very tight knit circles, like mommy bloggers in the middle of the country who live in a small town and have a very tight knit, you know, mommy community. And both of these people can be successful through completely different marketing techniques for their brand. And they, it wouldn't, the other person's strategy wouldn't work with, with the other person. And, and again, it's what happens is you start seeing that the people start focusing on what matters. They start honing in on their sales pitch, their value prop, their, you know, their engagement with their audience, all the things that they should be doing in this, you know, in 2021, instead of all the other stuff that goes into, you know, keeping a business afloat, like shipping packages and making sure you're paying your warehouse on time, all that can be automated. So so many, so many interesting things are changing on, on the marketing front and so many things that we thought weren't super important or sorry, uh, not even weren't super important. I better said uh, so many things that we thought were bad a while ago started, start being a badge of honor today. I got two, I got two really quick stories for you from my own personal experience. You've heard, you've seen product launches where they announce in advance, they're going to open the doors at uh noon Eastern or noon Pacific or what have you. And then they send out the email that says the doors are open. Then 15 minutes later, they send out another email that says, sorry, our servers melted, come back. And 99.9% of the time, that's just absolute bullshit. Because what happened was, is they were watching their real-time Google Analytics and didn't see their website get flooded. So they made up a bullshit lie story that it was getting flooded to tell people, Oh, well, yeah, you really should get here. It's popular, but it, 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 it's BS. Yeah, I can proudly tell you that I was involved in a product launch where the servers actually did crash due to excessive visits all at once. Because websites are set up, if you go into the PHP configurations, if you're using a Linux environment, that you can actually dictate how many people can be on your website any one given time. You can set it as low as three people. And if a fourth one comes on, your website stops until one of them leaves. That's how precise it is. Wow. So I can tell you that I was legitimately involved in a server meltdown, and I was inheriting something that had been set up by somebody else using some control panel that I didn't understand. I mean, I'm, I'm a cPanel WHM guy myself, always have been. And I, um, and I was dealing with this hosting company that then attempted to refer us to training resources and links and support tickets. And I said, look, after we get this fixed, I will gladly read your links. In fact, I want to know how to do this in the future so that I can handle it myself ongoing. But we just announced to an audience of 6,000 people after a month-long pre-launch buildup that we were offering our first new course in seven years. And they are literally beating down our fucking door right now. Fix this. <laughs> yeah. so, I can t- so I can tell you that story too about how we, the biggest barrier we ran into was getting the tech support people to just log in and increase the number rather than trying to show me how to use SSH to go into php.any and all that. For mm-hmm. goodness sake, I know it's a 10 second process, but I don't have 30 minutes to learn the software to do it. <laughs> right. I'll, I'll, yeah. After we get this fixed, then I'll sit with you for 30 minutes. You can teach me the software. So you don't have to hear from me again. That's number one. Number two is this happened just last year on one of my projects is 
this was a, a joint venture that my client was involved in. And they were putting up a web page to sell the course that they were joint venturing on. It was a it was a three-day training program they were doing together. And my client was handling fiduciary duty as far as collecting the money, hosting the web page, processing the registrations, et cetera. Well, I'm gonna make up some numbers here just to frame the story because I don't remember the exact chronology. But uh, the uh, it was agreed that uh, the web page to promote this would be up on the 19th of the month, whatever that whatever month that was. Everybody understood. Everybody was on board, and everybody was cool with it. The JV partner on something like the 13th or 14th sent an email blast to their, I think it was 18,000 subscribers internationally, announcing that the course was open for registration and giving out the link that they had all agreed upon would be the link to the webpage when it was live on the 19th. <laughs> so uh, now naturally, in many, in many people, that would trigger off a, either a panic attack or we told them it's the 19th. What the hell are they doing? So they asked their joint venture partner and who know, you know what she said? She said, she said, oh yeah, I know it's going to be up by the 19th and I'm by full faith and confidence you'll have it up on time. But I just didn't want to wait. So anybody who contacts you and says the link is broken, just refer them to me and I'll close them over the phone. <laughs> yeah, you, we can pause for a second and just but think about that. Yeah, this is somebody who intentionally created a broken link situation so they could get people on the phone and close them on a high ticket offer. It's that's a very create that's a very creative one. I will give it. I don't recommend it. (laughs) I mean, this person has confidence that comes from a lot of day drinking. (laughs) (laughs) That's a very yeah. That's uh, that's not a strategy that I've seen employed very frequently. No, I guess if it worked, I I share it just to show you that if your little thing isn't absolutely perfect, so freaking what? Yeah, I think I and honestly, I think like to to think about like the Pietra journey, right? We 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 always tell creators like don't be afraid to take your audience along for the ride. I think the more, you know, back in the day, this idea of like the big reveal, the big like unveiling was a popular technique. Uh But now I think what we're seeing, which is in in this age of of social media and social media is maturing to a certain degree. um, We're seeing the more you can bring your future customers along for the ride, the more the purchase feels like you're ordering from a friend yeah, and supporting their business than a transaction. And we see the most successful creators on the platform with their businesses are ones that are not afraid to walk their, their, their audience or their future customers through the process of picking samples, deciding colors, like, like, saying when things go right, saying when things go wrong. I think we are living in a world where the very fabric of selling online and what it means to sell online and how do you market this and who's the business owner and all those things are just changing. And I don't think that, I don't think the next 10 years is going to be like the last 10 years. Um, And I think we're about to see the reinvention of many many things in retail and e-commerce that we kind of took for granted in the 
2000s and early 2010s. Um, and this is, this is one of them, right? Like imagine 10 years ago telling someone that instead of a big reveal at some big event, we're going to piecemeal, you know, put up pre-order pages and, and announce it a month before and give the audience a chance to vote on the colors that we choose. People will be like, you're crazy. Um, and now this is a common thing that people do. Yep. Um, which, you know, again, is, is pretty cool to see the evolution. And I think uh, there will, this is just the beginning. I think the more we, the more we invest in this space, the more we make, put the tools back into the hands of the creators, the more power we give them. I guarantee you they're going to surprise us uh, in a good way. Yeah. Really quick tactic we found is effective when it comes to course launches is to let people see the sales page before it goes live. Mm -hmm. And right above where the button is, the, the, the order button is, put a graphic that says, this fully fledged preview will actually go live at this date and time. Come back then to place your order or you know, however we language that with whatever version of claim your access or download or whatever fancy NLP language we use. But the idea is, is they can tangibly go through the motions of what they would normally do to investigate an offer and place an order in advance. So they, so they get to have the experience of actually doing everything but actually submitting their credit card information. Yeah, I mean, it's smart, right? It's, again, it's, it's, it's not about shock and awe anymore. It's not about surprising someone. It's about giving them the information, having them feel comfortable with it, being transparent, all the things that we're seeing a lot of these new brands embody in many different ways. It's just also translating to online and sales and marketing, right? It's people walking the walk, not just talking the talk, uh, which I think is really cool. And we're seeing it manifest in all the different parts of, of, of starting and growing a business and selling it online. Right. Yeah. I th and uh, so, you know, as we, you know, as we wrap up here, uh, one final question I have is, and yes, I'm going to ask the obligatory question. <laughs> with the with the with the bug floating around, what has this done to your industry? Like, what has demand been like, and and uh, what do you see are the trends that we should be looking forward to? I think you already touched on some of how we are probably going to see the nature of sales change forever, and it's already happened to a certain degree. Yeah. So what so else I, is there? I, I think you know I would be lying if I didn't say that the pandemic accelerated. Um, some behaviors around Pietra that um, make Pietra stronger than ever. Um, but the way I would think about it is the pandemic helped us realize that a lot of a lot of the world that we thought would quote unquote never go online or take a long time to go online overnight became something that had to go online. Right. So, you know, three years ago, if you were starting a company and ordering 10,000, you know, energy drinks and you're like, I'm going to start my own energy drink. You would never, ever think that it's something that you can do from your laptop, from your apartment in, you know, Columbia, just as an example. Yeah. And all of a sudden, because of the pandemic, it's not like the world stopped. People still were launching businesses. I think still people were still selling products online. E-commerce exploded and all of the necessary infrastructure around that was forced to go online. 
all of a sudden people were like, you know, you have to go check out the warehouse um, before you rent it out, for example, went to, we're going to video chat you through the warehouse and give you blueprints. And this is just the digital world of, of what has to happen. And we just saw, I think, 10 years worth of progress in a lot of the supply chain and infrastructure and e-commerce side uh, of the world. Um, 10 years worth of progress get jammed into, you know, one or two years. And it's still, it's still going, right? It's business travel has not picked up to where it was. Um, I don't think anyone is flying to Shenzhen to meet their suppliers anymore. I don't think right. they're going to sourcing conventions with, with manufacturers and, you know, um, it's picking up. I'm not saying that they aren't, they don't exist anymore. I'm saying we're just seeing a tremendous amount of progress that got pulled forward. And, and, and honestly, it's, it's a good thing for, it's a good thing for consumers. Um, it's a good thing for suppliers. It's when, when you design a system that is, that works for everyone, it's a beautiful thing. And I think that's what the pandemic as a silver lining forced us to do, which it wasn't like, design solutions that can't last outside of the, of, of, you know, staying at home and, and being cautious during a pandemic, the things that people are building Pietra included are going to endure long past, uh, you know, our overcoming of the pandemic, which I think it, we should be super proud of. And Pietra as a company is super proud of. Um, and also something that we can look at a silver lining uh, when looking back at the pandemic. Yeah. I think that, and I and I'll translate this just for a moment. So, because you mentioned conventions, seminars, and events, I'm happy to see that there are that we've seen a significant return to the idea of an in-person seminar or an in-person event. At the same time, I'm also glad that I can actually get out to a bunch of this stuff without having to get out. Because going away for three days is actually losing a week when you think about it. Right. Now. Uh, I can be selective about which ones I attend in person, but I can attend a lot more because there's a difference between traveling to another city and another state and another time zone to be in a conference room for eight hours a day, three hours a day, plus the obligatory Saturday evening session versus being at home, viewing it through a screen and having the rest of your life just go on as normal. Big difference totally. right there. So what, so what I'm very excited about is the development of the hybrid model, where you do have in-person events, but a lot of them will also have a virtual component. And the biggest point of resistance that I saw from this is that the people putting it on the events would say, well, how are we going to close those people on our offers? They're not going to buy if they're watching through a screen. Well, back in two months ago, one of my clients put on an event in San Diego and his was a hybrid, and we proved that to be absolutely incorrect. In fact, when you look at it from a percentage factor, his closing rates on the in-person side of the event and the remote side of the event were actually pretty similar. Totally. So, so, so part of it may be uh, you need to adjust the way you make your offer, the way you position your offer, the way you time your offer, the way you give access to your offer, a good bit of it also has to do with making sure you just have a really good offer. No matter where they're at, they're going to like it. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. I do. I do have to run. Um, yep. We I, are I, done. I, we're, yeah, we're just about done here. So before we wrap up here, I just wanted to uh, turn over the stage to you for just 30 seconds. 
We know your website is www.pietrastudio.com, P-I-E-T-R-A-S-T-U-D-I-O.com. And uh, just tell us in 30 seconds uh, how somebody who is interested in launching the brand you've always dreamed of can engage with you and what they have to look forward, forward to when they do. Yeah, I mean, definitely visit the website and check us out on social. If you go to Instagram, we're at, at Shop Pietra. Uh-huh. Um, and I think what you you have waiting for you, which we're excited about, is this is the time for you to take the leap and, and, and pursue that dream that you've been thinking about for a long time. Yesterday, you said tomorrow, and today's that day. And we look forward to, to seeing you sign up, but then also helping you at each step of the way launch that business. All right. That's awesome. So Ron Trevetti, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor, a pleasure, and believe me, an education. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.